we're still figuring out where to go, right? So <laughs> we'll figure it out. Amen. Um, hopefully they'll have uh, uh, most of it buttoned up this week and, and um, things will slowly get back to normal. And um, well, maybe not slowly, right? Hopefully they'll go quickly back to normal, right? Um, and so, um, but praise God, all is well. Amen. And um, uh, we've been, what's that? Amen. Uh, so, um, of course, we've been studying uh, Lily B. Yeoman's book on um, his healing power. And um, we got to this particular chapter about, uh, uh, about happiness and joy, uh, happiness and health. You know, there's a scripture in Proverbs that says, A merry heart doth good like a medicine. And, um, you know, your attitude uh, in this life has got a lot to do with how well you feel. Amen. Uh, I mean, it, it can't uh, just by itself, it can't uh, uh, overcome sickness and disease. But, you know, really, it's a reflection of what's on the inside of you. Amen. Uh, and so uh, but even even the natural, it does go a long ways. You know, plenty of doctors and uh, studies have shown that patients, two patients with the same exact uh, illness or ailment, uh, one will oftentimes recovered more quickly if they have a good attitude, right? And, and not just a good attitude, but a joyful attitude, you know, uh, 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 it says a merry heart. Uh, and in some uh, hospitals, they've even done things like only show um, uh, comedies and that type of thing to uh, get people to smile and laugh. Uh, and so, uh, and, and of course, maybe they know, maybe they don't know that this particular verse uh, exists in the Bible, right? But um, uh, so it's to our advantage, really, it's to our advantage to uh, control our thought life, control our emotions, um, so that uh, we can express what's on the inside of us, amen? Because what happens a lot of times is our emotions will, will stop expressing what's on the inside of us and start expressing what the world says you should express, bitterness or anger or, you know, whatever the emotion is, uh, instead of expressing uh, what's really going on in your spirit, man, uh, and so... It's to our advantage to learn how to live that way. Amen. So uh, uh, I wanted to, uh, let's turn over to Galatians chapter 5. So we've talked about the joy of the Lord. And of course, we read the scripture there in Nehemiah says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And um, uh, is that a true statement? Well, it is, right? So that's, that's uh, what the word of God says. So what we want to do is to figure out, well, how do we become joyful, right? Uh, and, um, and Galatians really is where we're going to start in that. Um, in all of these things, the thing that we need to remember is all of these things are our choice, amen? We are not joyful or unhappy uh, based upon what we observe around us. At least that's not how the Christians should operate. That's how the world operates, that if when they look around, all is well, then they are happy. Uh, and if, if some things are not well, depending on what the list is, then they are unhappy. Uh, and uh, that's not really how we should live as Christians. Uh, we look around us, we see the exact same things that the world sees, uh, but faith says all is well, because faith says whatever the circumstance, God has the answer. And that's not just a kind of a pat, you know, uh, uh, patronizing type of statement. It's a statement of truth. Amen. Will the Lord deliver us out of all afflictions? He will. His word says he will. So we can look at a circumstance and it may look bad, you know, the, and the report may be bad. The doctor may come in and say terrible things, you know, that uh, 
uh, because doctors will tend to give you the worst case scenario. You know, 95% of the people who have this die. Well, that means 5% of them live, right? Uh, and so I always tend to be part of the 5%, amen? Uh, and so, uh, and that's okay. You know, that's their, kind of their job. They need to prepare people, you know, because uh, a lot of people are unprepared uh, for any of life's circumstances. When life, you know, they always hear, well, when, when life throws you a curve, well, there, there is no curve in faith, you know. Uh, it's, just, it's just information. It doesn't, oh, it rocked my world. Uh, well, there is no world to be rocked in faith, amen? You can, you can choose to live a life that no matter what comes your way, you're not affected by the circumstance. And, of course, and I think one of the, the greatest uh, stories is when Jesus went to the other side and the storms were, were blowing, right? The winds were blowing, the waves were cresting, in fact, over into the ship. And where was Jesus? He was asleep, right? Well, was he ignoring it? Was he acting like it didn't happen? Was he sticking his head in the sand? And, you know, there are no waves. There is no wind. You know, that's what Christian science people do, right? They say that what we see is not real. And so they say then therefore, it's not happening. So they're, they're calling those things which be as though they are not. No, Jesus, uh, his attitude was, I said we're going to the other side. And so anything that happens between now and then is, is just irrelevant until we get to the other side. Amen. Uh, and, and it's not a reflection of uh, how our journey will be successful or not. Uh, and it takes, it takes a dedication of faith in order to live that way. Because we're, it's so easy uh, because of the reality of the, the life that we live in this natural realm. It's so easy to be swayed by the things that we observe or feel or measure or, or count or whatever the, the natural means is. It's just easy for us to get our eyes off of Jesus. And then, we, of course, remember she went through the story with uh, Peter walking on water. And how as long as he was looking at Jesus, he was fine. And when he start, stopped looking at Jesus, he started to sink. But the thing is, when he was looking at Jesus, the circumstances were exactly the same. They were, the circumstances didn't change after he stopped looking at Jesus. It's just his level of faith changed. Amen. Uh, and, uh, and so you have to find that path for yourself, right? And we talked a little bit about that, about, you know, should you not get the doctor's report or should you get the doctor's report? Uh, and it really depends on where your faith is at, right? Um, uh, it, to me, it's just information. It's not good news or bad news. It's just information. Amen. Uh, and so it shouldn't, it shouldn't just, uh, you know, rock your whole world and you go into fits of depression because of some report from the doctor. That's the way we can live, amen? Uh, so if we want to live that way, then it's a choice, amen? Uh, and so, so how do we develop joy in our lives? And we're, we're not going to spend a lot of time in this. There's just a few verses that I want to go through. But here in Galatians chapter 5, it says in verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So what's the second, what's the second fruit of the Spirit? It's joy, right? Now, where it says the fruit of the Spirit, uh, anybody got a King James Bible? Uh, well, is Spirit capitalized or not? Yes. It's capitalized, right? Anybody got a translation where it's not capitalized? Uh, well, the, the issue with uh, the, the translation is the Greek word for Spirit, whether it's your Spirit or the Holy Spirit, is the exact same Greek word. It's the Greek word pneuma. So you don't know 
by just the word, whether it's, it's referring to um, the Holy Spirit or your spirit. But um, just real quick, let's turn over to uh, John chapter 15. And we'll find out, you know, that uh, that's not exactly accurate to have that capitalized. Because if it's capitalized, it's implying that it's the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, and so you know, over in John chapter 15... Get over there. He said, <clears throat> um, let's just start in, in, verse, uh, in verse 5. He said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. So, uh, if you look at, uh, uh, he's got vines and branches, so that, that implies he's using a, a grape vines as an analogy, right? As opposed to like a tree that has... Uh, uh, you know, it's got a trunk and branches, but this is vines and branches, so it's, it's implying more of along the lines of something like, uh, like grapes. So where, where is the fruit born on, on a, in a vineyard? Is it born on the vine or is it born on the branches of the, of the vine? It's born on the branches of the vine, right? It's born on the out. It's not born, you know, it's not just coming out of the middle of the vine. It's, it goes out to the edge of the branch and that's where it bears fruit, right? And so so if it's the, the, the vine, if the, if the branches bear fruit, then who are the branches? We are. So we're the ones bearing fruit, right? So, when it, so back to Galatians chapter 5, when it says uh, that the fruit of the Spirit is, well, that's the fruit of your spirit. So that should not be capitalized, right? Because Jesus said here that it's the, he said, we are the ones that bear fruit, right? Not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not bearing fruit. He's, he's already the Holy Spirit, right? He doesn't, he doesn't need to bear fruit uh, because he's not trying to live a life of faith like we're trying to live. He's already that way. He's, he's a deity. So uh, Jesus said here that we are the ones who bear fruit. So, uh, so and that, that, you know, it changes, doesn't, doesn't change it in a major way, but it does change it slightly back in the Galatians chapter 5 that the fruit of the Spirit is, so that means our spirits need to bear fruit. Well, our spirits bear fruit. Uh, in fact, we're going to go back to... Uh, uh, We'll just stay there in John chapter 15 there because we've got some other things to look at. So, so if uh, joy is a fruit of the Spirit, then uh, if it's a fruit, then that means it's a product of something else, right? So all fruit is a product of some prior action, right? So, so I think uh, <clears throat> that you bring some vegetables today, Mr. Johnny, right? So th those vegetables have to have... Um, uh, right, and so... Um, there you go. So it's radishes. So, uh, but if you look at like, like a, uh, a fruit tree, like an apple tree, um, in order for that to bear fruit, then it has to be pollinated, right? Uh, I don't know. Do, I guess vegetables have to be pollinated too, right? I don't know anything about vegetables. Does anybody know anything about vegetables? I don't know anything about that. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so, uh, but he's talking about fruit here. So uh, we could use... Uh, fruit like a fruit tree, which we I know the fruit trees have to be pollinated, and so, so if you stick that if you stick that fruit tree in a box, you know, even a clear box, uh, and, but you didn't allow any uh, bees to get in there and pollinate it, would the, would it bear fruit? It couldn't bear fruit because it can't complete its its action that's necessary to produce fruit. So there has to be some action that occurs prior to it bearing fruit, even though it's fully mature and has the capacity and, and the DNA to produce fruit. Unless it's, unless it's doing some action, unless some action is being completed, it's not going to bear fruit. And so, 
when you look at the fruit of the Spirit, if you can understand that, that <clears throat> most of the time when we hear people talk about the fruit of the Spirit, we think about, well, I'm going to bear fruit because I live a long time on the earth, right? If I live long enough, I'll bear fruit, right? And, and of course, there, there's a little bit of truth to that because fruit trees don't bear fruit the first year they're planted, right? Then it usually takes them a year or two, sometimes three or four years before they'll produce fruit. So there's a certain level of maturity that has to occur before they're in a position to start bearing fruit. And, of course, you've got to be careful not taking this thing to, the, to such an extent that, uh, uh, that you remove all faith aspects out of it because there's no time and distance in the realm of the Spirit, right? A, a young Christian who is full of faith can bear fruit much quicker than, uh, than a Christian who just doesn't want to live by faith. So there's not a certain amount of fixed time, you know, from a calendar's perspective that, that occurs. But, uh, the, so the, the fruit tree has to start doing something before it can produce fruit. So <clears throat> it's not something that you just choose to do directly, right? So if you want, if you want to have uh, apples, you don't, just don't go uh, and put an apple tree in a box. You have to make sure that it, it, it has the ability to complete whatever actions it, ne- it needs to produce fruit, which means it has to be pollinated, uh, which is, you know, if everything else is the same, it still has to have that action before it can, be, it can produce fruit. So I feel like I'm belaboring that a little bit. My, my point is, if we want to produce joy, we don't just start with joy. We've got to back up, what, what, what do I need to do to produce joy? And so that's why we're here in, in um, uh, John chapter 15. So uh, I want to start back up in verse 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman or the gardener. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth or prunes it, that it, may bear, that it may bring forth more fruit. So one of the things necessary in order to produce fruit is you have to allow yourself uh, to be pruned by the Lord. Amen. Uh, and uh, what, what's the process of pruning? Anybody done any pruning before? Uh, you know, all you green thumb people, you know, produce, you know, have done pruning before, right? <clears throat> and so what do you do? You go out... And if it's a tree, you're typically looking for a branch that maybe is too long, grown too fast or whatever. I don't know why you pick a particular branch, right? Because me, I just lop it off, you know, like, well, why'd you pick that one? I don't know, because it, was, it wasn't that one, right? But well, why do you pick one branch over another? I don't know. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's a reason, right? I'm going to take my whole stool over here, right? So it's too far away. So that's all right. Um, but, you know, people that know what they're doing, if you've done it long, you kind of know, right? I'm going to do this one, that one, you know, and, and you know how far to prune it back, right? So, you, you know, you don't take it all the way to the trunk because then you'd kill the branch, right? And you, you know, yeah. yeah. You take them all the way back to the stem? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, see, so I have no idea, right? <clears throat> but uh, the nice thing is, who's the husbandman in this story? The Lord is, right? So does he know how far back to cut it? Yeah, he, he, won't, he won't go like, wow, killed that one, huh? <laughs> Sorry about that, didn't mean to do that. <clears throat> Fortunately, he's a perfect husbandman, so... But that means he, he needs to take things out of your life, right? That, that's causing, that will cause a hindrance to, to producing fruit, right? And when he does that, his goal is to allow you to produce more fruit in your life. Is that, is that the case? That's what he says, right? 
So it's a really a great analogy because uh, the, the thing is, the, the difference between uh, a tree and us is we get to choose whether or not we're pruned. You know, a tree doesn't have really choice. A tree is going, oh, no, 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 no. You know, it never happens, right? You're going to go prune a tree or prune a grapevine. It just do, it lets you do it, right? There's no ifs, ands, or buts. But uh, for us, because we have a choice and we're sovereign beings, we have to choose to allow the Lord to say, hey, uh, this thing right here, you need to get out of your life. Now, we have to choose to let him do that. But see, the way it works is he will tell us this needs to be removed out of your life. And then you use his faith and his grace to get that out of your life. That's, that's generally how it works. Uh, and so it's still, at the end of the day, it's still your choice. He's the husbandman. He's the one telling you, this is a problem in your life. You need to get rid of it. This is the problem in your life. You need to get rid of it. And so that's his pruning, right? He's removing things out of your life that's, that's hindering you from producing fruit. <clears throat> and so, uh, so he does that, that he may bring forth more fruit. He said uh, in verse 3, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you and the word clean there is the same word pruned right and so how does he prune you through the word right either directly through the word of god or through the word of the holy spirit right one one of those two ways are the word of god and he will use that so does it say uh, now you are are pruned through the sickness and disease i send upon you through the hardship that i put you through through the to the mean people that i make you uh, go sit under no, he says, I'll prune you through the word. And I mean, that should be clear enough, right? But, it, but how many times have we heard people say, God put sickness and disease on me to, to teach me something? What they're saying is he's trying to prune you of something. But that's not what the word says. The word says he does it by the word, right? Uh, and so uh, we should get our doctrine straight. <clears throat> and if we could get our doctrine straight, see, then we can go to the Lord and say, is there a reason why this sickness is on me or a reason why this tragedy is, is coming into my life as opposed to just saying, well, it's the Lord. Because uh, if you say it's the Lord, what are you going to do about it? Well, you're not going to do anything about it, except you, you will rebel and go to the doctor, right? And, and be, uh, you know, well, God put the sickness on me. Well, why, are you, why are you at the doctor? That doesn't make any sense. Now, were you, uh, were you, did you get sickness because of rebellion? Now you're double on rebellion, right? You got rebellion. He put sickness on you. Now you're going to the doctor to get the sickness off you. That's supposed to help you get the rebellion out of your life. So it's really dumb doctrine. It doesn't make any sense, amen? But, but we, still, uh, we still say things like that that are not so. Uh, and then, he, of course, he says, Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, either except it abide in the vine. Uh, no more can ye... Uh, no more can ye except you abide in me. And we know that, right? We know that if you just take a, a branch and just cut it off, uh, that uh, it will wither and die. Amen. Uh, and in fact, if you go to some trees, you can just go to a tree sometimes and just take, uh, take a, a blade or a saw and just cut just the bark around it. You don't even have to cut the whole tree down. Just cut the bark where, you know, a lot of the nutrients come through that part of the tree up to the branches and you'll kill all the branches. You'll kill the tree uh, because essentially it's still not uh, abiding in them as it should. Uh, and, 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 you know, we're not going to get into horticulture where you can take a branch off and then you can go plant it, you know, and you can still cause it to sprout. You know, that, that's taking this analogy a little too far because that's actually covered in Romans chapter 9, right? But uh, we're not going to go there. Uh, so Jesus said in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Uh, he that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit for without me we you can do nothing so we abide in jesus that's how we produce fruit so one of the fruits that we produce is joy right 
And so one of the ways that we can produce fruit, and really the only, only way that we can produce any of the fruit of the Spirit, is to abide in Jesus, right? And that just means to stay in Him. Our lives are in Him. You know, uh, this, this walk that we have as Christians is not a uh, Sunday-only uh, visitation, amen? It's a life. It's, it's our lives Sunday through Saturday, amen? Every day of the week, all day long. Uh, it does, that doesn't mean we're in deep intercession every day and praying and fasting every day, but, but we choose to live by Him, amen? Every day, you know, I don't know that there's uh, an hour goes by probably that I don't, I don't think of the Lord or, uh, you know, uh, and I'll talk to Him throughout the day and, and I know I have the advantage in my, in my circumstance that I have the ability to do that, spend time with Him, uh, but I'm going to remain in Him in that. Uh, a lot of times Christians, they don't live in Him. You know, they visit him on occasion, like he's in a nursing home or something, and once every three months they go and visit him, and like he's senile, and, and they just pat him on the hand, it, it's okay, Lord, you know, I'll, I'll see you in a few months, and, and, then they, and then the Lord doesn't respond because, you know, that's their relationship with him, and then they go, go away, and they feel like they've done something, right? I went and visited the Lord once every six months, and, uh, and so <clears throat> uh, it, it's, uh, uh, that's not what he's talking about. Abide in him, right? Living in him. He said, and continues on in verse 6, if a man abideth not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather and cast him in the fire, and they are burned. Uh, but who's the choice? Is it to abide or not abide? It's mine, right? So he's not, uh, he's not doing the, we're doing the casting forth, right? He's not doing the casting forth. You know, we have done the, we, we decide to separate ourselves from him. And he said, you will wither and die. Now, uh, you know, again, you could take this into uh, saying, well, they're going to die and go to hell. That's not, uh, that's not, accurate doctrine there's plenty of christians who will live a life with not much power and still make it to heaven amen i'm not anybody's judge so i'm not going to judge your eternal destiny based on on your actions because uh what if you skip one church service you gonna die and go to hell some people believe that but you're not going to die and go to hell because you skip one church service what about two what about three what about 300 i don't know is there a number where you suddenly cross over now you're not going to make it to heaven uh you know that's between you and the lord amen uh, and so we leave all that stuff alone. But uh, you, there is, a, there is a, a, an idea in the New Testament about living a life without power. Uh, and it's called death. Uh, and many Christians will live a life in this natural life without any power from on high. And they're living a life of death. It's not spiritual death. It's not physical death. It's a death without power. It's a, it's a life we're living without any power. And when you disconnect from the Lord, that is your life. Amen. You live a life without power. And many times Christians will live a life without power because they've disconnected from, from the vine, right? We are the branches. He's the vine. We're supposed to be uh, connected to him. <clears throat> and, and so he, because he said, uh, uh, where did he say that uh, uh, at the end of verse five, for without me, you can do nothing or apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, and, and, you know, Sometimes we as Christians, because of our rebellion, uh, you know, it kind of rises up and say, you know, I, I'll do it. I'll, I'll t I'm fine. I can take care of it on my, son, on my own. And that is really foolishness. Uh, because first of all, why would you want to when you've got the greatest help of the universe living on the inside of you and all you have to do is stay connected with him and he will help you through all the affairs of life. Amen. Uh, and so, because he says, you can't do it without me. Well, I'm going to try. Okay, that's really dumb. 
Because what you're saying is, I'm not sure Jesus is right. I think he might be wrong. I think there's a chance that maybe I can pull it off, even though he said I can't, I think I can do it. Are you smarter than the Lord Jesus? If he said you can't do it without him, can you do it without him? You, can't, you cannot do it without him. What, what if I try? Well, then you're going to waste a lot of years of no value, right? You're going to go through life. Who knows? And I've seen Christians try it for years, decades sometimes, to try to do it without the Lord, right? Uh, and they're going to be nice people, kind people, whatever. But for whatever reason, whatever circumstances that have, have prompted them to do those things, nobody made them do it, but the, they'll, they'll base it on some excuse of some event that occurred. Well, you know, all the people at church are hypocrites. Whatever, you know, uh, uh, it's just an excuse because you're saying that somebody else is keeping you from doing what you want to do. Uh, I thought you was a man, right? I thought, I, thought, I thought nobody stands in my way. You just let some little busybody lady uh, keep you out of church, right? Uh, well, Sister Doodad, you know, she gossiped about everybody. So? Uh, I mean, you're going to let this little old lady keep you from following the plan of God? And, but people make excuses like that all the time, right? Uh, and, or they'll make stuff up, right? I had one person say, you know, uh, well, you know, I'm not going to that church because Pastor Chip smokes, you know. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, they just make, they sometimes make it up, right? Uh, you, know, uh, you know how many times I've smoked in my life? I've never literally even taken a drag. Not a one, not a single cigarette has ever, you know, I've never even one time, right? Because I remember watching my, my, you know, everybody in my family smoked like sailors. And, and uh, I would be fascinated watching my dad smoke. And I'd watch the, you know, all the smoke come off the cigarette, you know. And, and I always watched how the smoke, you know, it's like, how does it all of a sudden do this and start turning and do all these things? And, uh, but I noticed that his fingers were always yellow, right? Because tar, right? Tar gets on there and, it, and it's disgusting, right? And then it smells bad. Uh, and, and then it'll kill you. And so why, in what universe would I desire to smoke, right? And yet, uh, it's unfortunate, even today in 2022, people pick up smoking today, right? It's like, that's like the dumbest thing in the world. Yeah, you, you know, uh, it's amazing how Congress will pass laws for everything in the world, but they won't pass a law that says quit smoking. Uh, and everybody knows it's going to kill you, right? Just... Yeah, uh, and it would only take a, f a few weeks for the whole world to get over it, right? I mean, I don't know how long withdrawal symptoms last for smoking, but they would suddenly make it illegal. Of course, you know, then it'd be a good underground economy about all that stuff. But, you know, that's, that's not, you know, I don't care. You smoke all you want to, whatever, none of my business. But, uh, but, um, but people make up stuff, won't they? Uh, and so, so uh, but he says, and, and of course, in the great verse then, verse 7, if you abide in me. In my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. One of the greatest simple verses in the whole New Testament, right? Uh, if you abide in me. So whose choice is it to abide? It's mine. In my words abide in you. Whose choice is it to allow his words to abide in me? It's mine, right? I can't read the Bible. I've had people say, I can't read the Bible. It's too hard to understand. Is that true? It's not true. I can give you a dozen uh, versions that are simple and easy to understand, even for you, right? And, well, it's too hard. It's not that hard, right? You, don't, you just don't want to make the effort, right? Uh, and, and so, I mean, you do whatever you want to, right? But, but if you never read the Word, if you're never reading the Word ever on your own, then, then, then His words are not abiding in you. It's, going to church is not sufficient for His words to abide in you. Amen? Uh, and 
doesn't mean you got to read uh, uh, 16 chapters every day or anything, right? We have a Bible reading schedule. You're welcome to get one of those. You can read the whole New Testament in a year. And I'd encourage you, every Christian ought to read at least uh, the whole New Testament on occasion, right? Uh, you, you don't have to necessarily do it in a year, but, I mean, it's not that long. It's, what, 270 chapters in the whole New Testament. And if you read five chapters a week, you'll get through the entire New Testament in a year, right? So it's really not that, not that, uh, not that hard to do. Uh, and so, so it's my choice to abide. It's my choice again to abide. And uh, he said, you shall ask what you will. So whose choice is it to ask? Me. So there's three things I've got to do in this verse, right? And if I do those three things, uh, what does Jesus say that he'll do? It shall be done unto you, right? Uh, so I've got to abide uh, in him. I've got to allow his words to abide in me. And I've got to ask. Well, if God wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. Is that what this verse says? No. And so uh, we've got to ask, right? Uh, so we've got, we've got three responsibilities. God has got one responsibility. If we choose not to do one of our responsibilities, God is unable to do his responsibility. He's waiting on us to complete our, our tasks. Amen. If we choose not to complete our tasks, then it's not that he's punishing us or withholding from us. It's not his turn yet, right? It's a turn-based system here. And so, uh, uh, is, this, is this verse true? Of course it's true, right? Uh, and why is it true? Because he said it, right? It's not, it doesn't take a lot of uh, uh, knowledge and great theological understanding to know that if he said it, it's so. Amen? And yet, how many people don't believe this? Well, you can't just ask what you want. Uh, what's it say? Well, then why don't you ask for like a pink elephant? Well, let me ask you this. If you are abiding in him and his words are abiding you, would you even ask for a pink elephant? No, you wouldn't ask for it. Well, you know, you can't just ask for a gazillion dollars. Well, if you were abiding in him and his words were abiding in you, would you ask for a gazillion dollars, right? I don't know how many zeros are in a gazillion dollars, but it's probably a lot, right? Well, would you ask for that if you really were abiding in him? No, because... The relationship is you'll know how, how big of an ask to, to make because he will, he will show you your faith is right here. Here's how far you ask. He will, he will lead you and guide you about how far you can ask because when you're a baby Christian, you know, you may not ask for much, right? Uh, when, you're, when you're a grown Christian, you may ask for more. And George Mueller, uh, who, was the, uh, who ran that uh, large uh, orphanage uh, many years ago in England, he, he, somebody was interviewing him later in life and he said, you know, I, I can, uh, it's just as easy for me to believe God for a million dollars today as it was to believe God for a dollar when I first started. Uh, and, that, and that makes sense, right? Because he had a dollar amount of faith. So uh, his heart would never prompt him, well, just ask for a billion dollars now, and then you never have to ask again. But he didn't have a billion dollar faith. So, he, you know, you could ask all day long, but that's not abiding in him, and his words aren't abiding in you. Uh, and so that, that's really the, the abiding in him and his words abiding you are really the constraint of what you can ask for, right? It, it will constrain you of asking for things that, number one, are within your faith and, and you know, and that it's the will of God for you to have those things. So it's not just, it, it's not just wide open to ask for literally anything because you've got to look at the whole counsel of God, amen? So if you go ask for something that would violate the counsel of God, like to commit some sin, Lord, you know, you know let the bank door be unlocked when I get there after hours, so I can go in and steal everything. Would he do that? He's not going to do that because that would be unethical, right? Um, and, and so, uh, and, and that's obvious, right? And yet 
people will use these hypothetical situations to do away with all faith. Well, you can't just ask for anything and then ask for, you know, ask for a 747 airplane to go to work. Well, I could, except there's no room in the parking lot for me to land the 747. So, and besides that, you know, I mean, just the pre-flight checklist would take me longer than just drive to work, right? Uh, and so, it's, it's just foolishness. But I, don't you hear people say stuff like this all the time? Well, you can't just ask for anything. I can't ask for anything. Uh, no problem. I can ask for whatever I need, want, or desire in this life. Uh, and as long as those needs, wants, or desires don't violate the Word of God, then it's basically a, a blank checkbook, right? And yet people will say, you're out of order. You're preaching false hope, right? I told you that I had a fellow come up to service after when I was preaching about this particular verse. He came up and said, you're preaching false hope. That's what he told me. And I'm like, what does that mean? I'm preaching false hope. So you're telling me that, that here's what the Word of God says, but this isn't true, but I'm going to tell you like it is true. I'm going to act like it is true. That's, that's false hope, right? False hope is telling you that it's true when it's not really true. So you're telling me it's not really true. And so he's thinking, I'm, an, you know, that, that I'm preaching false hope. And of course, I'm thinking he's an idiot, you know. And, and so, uh, but only one of us was correct, and it wasn't, and it wasn't him. Uh, and so I'm not preaching false hope. I'm preaching what the Word of God says, amen. Uh, and so, uh, so is that a true verse? That's a true verse, right? And see, here, here's why this is important. Here's why it's important for you to do all of verse 7, to not only abide in him and not only have his words abide in you, but to also ask, amen? Because he says in verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. So uh, what fruit is he talking about? He, he said, uh, well, the fruit here in the context of this is the result of your, getting your prayers answered, right? So you, you did the work of abiding in him and his words abiding in you, and then you asked and you produce the result, which is to get your prayers answered. That's, that's in the context of all of this stuff. He's talking about having your prayers answered. Uh, and, and he says, when you do that, then uh, what does the Lord get? What does the Father get? He gets glorified, right? Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. And so, so shall you be my disciples. Now, we know that uh, 2 Corinthians 1.20 says that all the promises of God are in him what? All the promises of God are in Him, yes, and in Him, amen, unto what? The glory of God, and what's the last two words? By us, right? So, so we, because all the promises of God are in Him, yes, and in Him, amen, so that means that if I, Lord, if I see a promise and I ask you, is this promise for me, what's the answer? All the promises of God are in Him, yes. Well, why are they yes? Because of Him, because of what He did for you. So if you find a promise, and of course in this class we're talking about the promise of healing. Lord, is the promise of healing for me? The answer is yes. Well, why is it for me, Lord? Because of Him. Uh, and what does the Lord get if you receive healing? Unto the glory of what? God by who? By us. So we produce glory for God by us receiving the promises of God. So He's glorified when we produce the fruit of answered prayer. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, and, he, and he continues on there uh, in, um, uh, in verse 9, As the Father hath loved me, so I have, I have loved you. Uh, continue ye in my love. If you abide in my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that what? Your joy might be full. So, 
so in, from verses 1 through 11, he really gives the, the uh, recipe for how to live in joy. So, uh, and the result of all of this is, uh, at the end of the day, when we're believing God and receiving from the blessings from heaven, then our joy is full. In order, in order to do that, we have to abide in him. His words have to abide in us. We have to ask. We have to do our part. But when we start receiving the blessings from heaven, what, what does that cause our joy to do? Our, causes our joy to be full when we start receiving the blessings of heaven, right? He, and he said, I spoke these things to you that, that my joy remained in you and that your joy might be full. So wouldn't it be nice to have fullness of joy all the time? Well, the way you get the fullness of joy is to follow the, the prescription from verses 1 through 10, and it, and, it, and it boils it down to stay in Jesus, ask what you want, get your prayers answered. And the, the fruit of that lifestyle, then, is a fullness of joy. And so joy is a fruit, right? It's a fruit of, I'm going to abide in Him, His Word's going to abide in me, and I'm going to ask for whatever I want to, and whatever I need, whatever I desire, and I'm going to get it, and that'll produce joy in my, in my life. Uh, and so some people say, well, you, can have, you don't need things to have joy. Well, not according to the Word of God. But according to the Word of God, you have to have your prayers answered in order to receive joy. Now, you can have the emotion of happiness, but emotion, the emotion of happiness and joy are not the same thing, right? Happiness is just an emotion. You can be happy, you can be sad. Uh, it's, just, it's just an emotion that you can choose to turn on and turn off. And well, you can't just choose to be happy. You can choose to be happy anytime you want to, amen? It's not, it's not the same exact thing as joy, although they look similar. But joy, it really, you know, we talked about the definition of joy. It's an outward expression of an inward hope. So joy comes from the inside. It's a fruit of the spirit, right? So it's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual force, not an emotion. Uh, and, but the thing about the spirit is the spirit, the things of the spirit can affect your emotions. Amen. So it may be, it may come out as, uh, as happiness. Amen. And we have all seen people though, they appear to be happy, right? But you know, they're not really happy. So they have, they can, 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 can we fake the emotion of happiness? Sure, we can fake the emotion of happiness, but it's not real. It's not, it's not, it's not a product of what's from the inside of you. It's just you're, you're projecting this emotion, and, and it's not real. And, and I know a lot of people uh, personally that have the, the, uh, the, the appearance of happiness, but I know they're not happy. And, and, it's, and, it, and, it, and it breaks my heart because uh, that's, a, that's a hard thing to overcome. Once you start faking things, it's hard to be real. It's hard to live a lifestyle that's honest uh, and real because you spend so much energy of having the appearance of producing these emotions to, to, to display to people a lifestyle that you, that you want them to think that you're having when you know you're not having it. And you spend all that energy, uh, and it's really a lie, and it's really hypocrisy. Uh, and, and it's not to be so hard on people, but... The, uh, if you spend so much of your life trying to fake these things, then it's really hard for the Lord because you're not an honest person with the Lord, right? You're not being honest with yourself. You're not being honest with the Lord. You're producing, uh, manufacturing these emotions and lifestyles. And so you're not really living an honest life. Whatever you see on the outside is not really what's on the inside. Whereas if you're living in joy, then what you see on the outside is a reflection of what's on the inside. Amen. Uh, and, and living joy in this, in this way is, uh, is an honest lifestyle that uh, it comes from the inside, amen? And so, so that's what we want to do. We want to live 
a life of joy, and the, the life of joy that, that uh, we can live is pre- prescribed here in John chapter 15. And, uh, and again, all of that is to go back to that a merry heart doth good like a medicine. So uh, just having the joy of the Lord, uh, you, may, you may be able to overcome a lot of sickness and disease without ever having to use the name of Jesus. Without, and that's fine, right, to use the name of Jesus. We're not saying you shouldn't. Uh, but uh, you, you can overcome a lot of things because of the joy of the Lord is your strength and uh, a merry heart doth good like a medicine. Uh, you can have a lot of uh, side benefits from living a life of joy without ever, and you may not have to expend faith in other areas. Amen? You know, and there's, there's a lot of things that uh, um, I, I know just uh, for, for us uh, as a ministry, you know, uh, from the day we started, we started, you know, uh, in, in March of 2008 uh, for the church here. And from the day that we've started, we've never been, uh, been in a situation where we didn't have the funds to do whatever the Lord has asked us to do, right? We've never been down on our luck and we've never begged for money uh, and, and we never will. Uh, part of it is because the Bible says that given you and it shall be given unto you. Amen. And we've always been a given church. We've always tithed as a, as a ministry. We've always sent, we always send 10%. Whatever the ministry brings in, we send 10% back out as a minimum, right? And, and many times it's way more than that. In fact, most of the time, except in years when we're doing building programs, our number one expense is giving, right? And we don't call it an expense, but if you look at the money going out versus money coming in, uh, you know, it's, it's we give so much money to this ministry, we give so much money to this ministry, we give so much benevolence, right? Uh, and, and we'll always be that way. We're always going to be a giving church. We're not going to hoard it up to ourselves and do things. You know, on occasion we'll build, uh, do some construction and, and th- those things are expensive. Uh, but, uh, but we'll always have the money to do that. Amen. Uh, and so, but <clears throat> someone was asking me not long ago, well, well, what are you guys believing for for finances for your church? And, and I, you know, and, I, and on occasion I get that question and, and it's really kind of hard for me to answer it because uh, my expectation is well, the Bible says, if I give, it shall be given unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. That works both for the ministry as it, as it does for our individual lives. And so my plan is, my, my intent is that I just do what the Word says and I expect to get what the Word says. Amen. And so as far as specifically believing for things, and there's nothing wrong with believing for certain finances if you need it. You know, I, I don't think there's anything biblically wrong with that. Uh, but we, we've gone through the whole, you know, now we're, what, 14, I guess, uh, 14 years now uh, as a ministry. A- and we've always banked on that verse being true, right? That we give. And it, so, so uh, we, we don't have to necessarily believe God for those things because we're already doing those things, right? We're already walking by faith. Uh, and again, you know, there are times and seasons where maybe you've got behind or maybe, you know, maybe there is an attack of the enemy against you specifically and you may have to engage in some spiritual warfare and, and, and specifically command the devil to take his hands off your finances. And, and that's fine, right? In fact, uh, uh, Brother Hagin's got a little mini book about how God taught me about prosperity. And, and one of the things that the Lord showed him was to, to um, claim what you need, right? Tell the devil to take his hands off your finances and then command the angels to go out and bring the money in, right? And that's one of the things the Lord showed him. But then years later, uh, he was preaching. He says, you know, I, I rarely ever talk to the Lord about money. Uh, in fact, he said, I, I never do. Uh, and, well, that doesn't conflict with what, he, what the Lord told, told him about it because once you, once you get to the place of faith and you're operating like you're supposed to be operating, you know, you can, just, you can live off the faith for, for sometimes decades. 
without having to actually expel specific faith for that thing, right? And, so, and it works the same thing for health and healing, that if you're living a life full of joy, you may go for days, weeks, months, and years and not have to confess healing, amen? Now, if you haven't lived that way and, you, and you're, you're behind in some things or you've done some things to cause these things, you may have to go out and expend specific faith to overcome that area of sickness and disease. So the ideal is we, if we can live a life of, div, of divine faith all the time, you know, then we just live by faith. We don't have to conf, confront the devil all the time and, and fight with the devil about everything. Jesus said that given, given it shall be given unto you. He didn't say given it shall be given unto you unless the devil quits, uh, you know, gets in the way and then sorry I couldn't get it to you that time. Uh, and so, <clears throat> so there, there is a life of faith that's really, it's, it's, you know, just like with an airplane, you, you know, you've got to take off and take off and landings are, are, are 99% of all uh, aircraft fatalities occur at takeoff and landing, right? Because that's the most dangerous time. But, and if you get through that, uh, get through the acceleration of going up in the air and finally you get to cruising altitude and it's just, you know, pretty easy for the, you know, for the uh, pilots. In fact, they got a little button that says autopilot. They push the button and take a nap, you know, surf the internet or whatever. Uh, and, you know, it's really not that hard. You, most people could push the button, right? Oh, I don't know if I can, I don't, I, I, it's really hard to live by faith. You know, you, you got to push that one button. That's it? Yeah, you got to push the you got to do anything? No, just push the button. Well, I don't think I can do that. That's really hard. You know, but, but that, that's a good place to get to, right? And, and that doesn't mean you are expending faith because you're living, but you're living it, right? You're, everything you're doing is living that. You're doing with the Word. You're abiding in Him. His words are abiding in you, and you're just asking whatever you need, right? Uh, you're not having to command the devil all the time, and, and so, so we don't want to say that you never command the devil. You never have to engage in any warfare against the enemy of mankind. You never have to expend specific faith. Sometimes you have to do that, but if you can't get to a point where you're just abiding in him, his words are abiding, you're just asking whatever you need to, and, it, and, it's, and it's almost like magic. It's not magic, of course. It's, it's faith, but, uh, but it's a good place to be. Amen? Uh, and we're in chapter 15. Just go over to chapter 16 there. He said... Um, and this summarizes it even more here. Uh, he says in um, John 16, 24, Hitherto you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that what? Your joy may be full. So how do you get the fruit of the spirit of joy? Ask and you shall receive. That's, that's about as plain as it can be right there. How do you get joy? Ask and you shall receive and your joy is full. That the, so the fruit of, of your asking and receiving is fruit of joy right so it's not a mental state it's not an emotional state it's not a psychological state it's a fruit of a prior action of faith right i'm believing god for things i'm asking and i'm not just asking right because what did he say uh, ask and what well you can ask but you know sometimes god says no is that what it says did it say that in john 15 7 if you buy to me my words about you ask what you will and i'll take it under consideration we'll take a vote in heaven and if you get it, it's yours. If don't, it's too bad. Right? Is that what it says, right? What's that? Two-thirds majority, right? Or supermajority, right? Uh, and so, no, there's no super. God is the supermajority, right? You ask, and it's done. Is that what he says? Right. But see, the caveat is, are you abiding in him? His words abiding in you, right? Uh, and so, yeah, you could take, you could take uh, John 16, 24 out of context and say, well, it says right there, you can just ask what you want to. And I asked for the biggest boat, the biggest yacht. You know, uh, I know just recently they, they confiscated a $600 million yacht 
from some of the billionaires of Russia. Well, I want that yacht. Well, Lord, give me that yacht. You know how much gas money it would take to fill up that yacht? More than you probably make in your lifetime as, as an average person, right? Uh, you got that much money just to fill it up one time? Uh, what about the, the 20 uh, crew members? You're going to have to pay them? You don't need no $600 million yacht, right? And besides, where would you park it? Uh, and so none of the slips around here are big enough to put a, a $600 million yacht. Uh, and so sometimes we're foolish, right? And, but again, anytime I hear people say that, my thoughts are always, why are you so against faith? Why are you looking for a reason to not have faith? Why are you trying to dispel faith? Yeah, that's my question to people who are always saying, it's, it's not what it says. It's exactly what it says and nothing else. If it says that, that's exactly what it means. And so uh, he said, hither now, really up to, up to this point, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and he said, so he's talking about once the cross is done with, now we have the name of Jesus. Now we can ask in his name, right? Uh, and that goes back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, that all the promises of God are in him. So they're in him because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, right? Uh, and, uh, and so just real quick, let's turn over to uh, Acts chapter uh, Eight here. So uh, here in Acts chapter eight, uh, well, I'm in Acts chapter nine. There, not going to get us where we need to be. Acts chapter eight here. This is the story with Philip the evangelist. Of course, he, at this point, he's just Philip the deacon. But let's read in verse five. It says, "Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them." And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came, uh, uh, crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. So F Philip did what he's supposed to do, which is to believe God for answered prayer to get these things. Lord, I'm, I'm going to go in, I'm going to do what you tell me to do, and I'm, gonna, I'm expecting to see miracles. And what is, what is the result of, of receiving from the Lord? Joy, right? Uh, and so anytime we receive from the Lord, there's joy, amen? Uh, and, uh, and so if you look at the group of people in a church that are so against anything related to the prosperity message, uh, and there are, there are people who are just rabid against it, right? And, and what else is true about them? They're the unhappiest people you've ever met, right? Why are they so unhappy? Because they're not receiving anything from the Lord. And, and the only way you get true joy is to receive from, then these people receive from heaven. They receive uh, miracles and signs and wonders uh, from, the, from Philip, uh, the deacon. And because of that, uh, they had joy. So you can cause joy to rise up in other people because uh, you're, you're getting blessing from heaven for them. Amen. But it's still the fruit of uh, Philip's uh, spirit, right? Uh, it's fruit of his, of his walk with the Lord. So, so I just want to encourage you, you know, if you're feeling kind of down and out, you're feeling a little, little uh, uh, you know, under the weather, just emotionally, uh, abide in him, let his words abide in you, and then start asking, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, well, uh, well, where do you start? Well, if you haven't done this before much, ask for small things, right? Start with a dollar. Start with the, with the smallest of things. Amen. <clears throat> and um, I'll give you one simple example. But uh, years ago, we were having some. Uh, we were going to have some um, <clears throat> work done in our in our some cabinetry work done in our kitchen. And uh, 
we, we wanted to get a, a, ref, a bigger refrigerator, but it had cabinets above it, and the cabinets were too, too low to put a refrigerator in there, right? So we thought, well, we can just, you can just take that one section out and have it redone, and then, and then you know, you can get a taller refrigerator, right? And that's the goal, to get the tallest refrigerator you can, right? And, and so, uh, <clears throat> so, you know, I, I knew a, a guy did cabinetry work, and, and so I contacted him, and, and then he said, yeah, I can do that work. And, uh, and so uh, I'm thinking, well, you know, I don't, know how, I don't know how much it's going to cost. He didn't really give me a quote. Uh, but, um, you know, whatever it costs, you know, uh, I believe God that I've got the finances for that. Uh, and so, um, or I, you know, I wasn't really thinking about I believe God for that. I'm thinking, well, I'm making money. I could just pay for it. Uh, and so there wasn't any faith about it. It was just, I've got the money, dude. I'll just do it. Uh, and uh, after, I del- after I dropped it off, the Lord just kind of encouraged me. He said, why don't you believe me for that, for the finances for that? And I hadn't really thought about it, you know, because, you know, I was always raised kind of, well, you know, just if you can do it on your own, just do it on your own. You don't, don't ask for help if you can do it by yourself, right? And, and that will get you in trouble a lot of times because a lot of times we say, Lord, I've got this. And if you want to see the Lord laugh, that's what you tell him. Lord, I've got this. He's like, is that right? Is that right? Uh, well, let's just see if you've got this or not, right? Uh, and that's one good way to get the Lord laughing, right? Because it says in the Bible that he who sits in the heaven laughs. Well, why is he laughing? Because we're all saying, Lord, I've got this. Uh, and he's like, hey, come here, look. He said he's got this. Let's just watch. You don't want to? <clears throat> and he ain't got it. He thinks he's got it. He ain't got it. Uh, and so, uh, so, Lord, so why don't you believe me for that, for the finance of that? I'm like, oh, okay, no problem. You know, I can do that, Lord. You know, then, Lord, you know, I don't know what's going to cost, but I'm, I'm going to believe that supernaturally, whatever it costs, uh, you're going to bring in those funds over and above what I normally make is my income, right? Because my income is already enough to do it. And so, but he asked me to believe God for him. That's a pretty good deal, right? Uh, hey, why don't you believe me? Now, see, he couldn't make me do it, but he could ask me to do it and train me in order to do that. And so I thought, well, okay, I can do that. Uh, and so the guy gets it done and, and he said, I got it done. And, and uh, I said, uh, that's awesome. You know, how much do I owe you? Uh, and he goes, well, nothing. Uh, yeah, I'll just give it to you just to do that. So um, so that's a pretty good deal, right? Uh, now, if I hadn't believed God for that, I would have had to come up with the money out of my own pocket, right? Well, you know, now I'm going to believe God that he got blessed because he gave that to me. I, I didn't go like, well, I'm a Christian, you know, and you're supposed to do this for free, you know, and you know the Lord, don't you? Uh, you know, you're, sp- you're supposed to give. And, you know, I don't hint around like that. You know, you know people hint around like that? You know, oh, that sure is a nice car you got. I sure wish I had a car like that. I've always wanted a car just like that, you know, and so uh, we had people that we were moving one time they said, hey, if you don't want your couch, can I have it? Well, I'm planning on using my couch, right? I mean, you know, uh, uh, some people, you know, they just, uh, instead of believing God, they're going to believe you, right? Uh, like, uh, I'm going to believe you for my couch, right? Uh, well, I'm not God, right? I don't, I don't have any, you know, I, I can't produce a couch out of thin air. And so, but some people, you know, they replace you with God or God with you, right? And, and, and they think you're their, their source. Uh, and so, and that was just a minor thing, I know, but uh, that's what he asked me to do, is to believe him for something. And I, and I got the answer to my prayers, right? I, was, I had all the funds I needed to pay for that, right? Over and, and so, uh, and, and, and you know, I was joyful. Praise God, because I, I don't know how much it costs to, to redo cabinetry work like that. I figured he had to spend several hours to do that, you know. I figured it was going to cost, you know, a few hundred dollars is my guess, you know. Of course, nowadays it probably costs a thousand dollars, you know, just to, just to drop it off. That's a, that's a deposit, right? And then it, and we'll put you on a payment plan after that. <clears throat> and so it's kind of, things are kind of crazy. So, 
So what we want to do is produce joy in our life. But the way we produce joy is through John, through the through the process that John 15 and John chapter 16 give us is by operating in faith. And when we operate in faith and receive the blessings of the Lord, it causes joy to rise up. And that joy will have secondary effects like uh, healing and, 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 and uh, happiness and other emotions getting put back in line. Uh, and, and it's real. It's real happiness. It's real joy. Amen. It's not fake to, to put on a happy face. It's real. It comes from the inside. Amen. Uh, and that's what the way we want to live. And uh, it'll cause strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It'll cause healing, right? Uh, a mayor heart doth good like a medicine. Uh, it has all these, uh, you know, when the, when the Lord writes a prescription, it says, and these are all the, the potential side effects. You know, you get joy, and the side effect could be happiness. It could be strength, right? It could be healing, right? Those are good side effects, right? You get the, you get the world's medication, and it could cause a sixth toe to grow out, you know, or hair on your, on your upper lip or, you know, whatever these terrible things are. But the Lord's, you know, you walk in joy and you get all these other side benefits that you haven't even believed God for. And it's a good deal. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, so I, you know, I think those are, those are good things. And so um, that's the end of the chapter. And, and if you guys want to, we can answer our three questions and then, then we can go, right? There's only three questions in this chapter. Um, and all that stuff we just talked about, about the joy, and, uh, that wasn't in our book there. That's just, uh, that's all free, right? We won't even charge you for that at all, right? Um, so, uh, th- and these questions are, um, they're, not, they're not very hard to do, right? So question number one says, joy is a very effective what? Tonic, right? That's what she says, right? Uh, and, and in other words, it produces good results in you if you take it. Uh, and it does, right? Uh, we saw the, the benefits of having joy in your life. Uh, question number two is, being joyful depends on what's going on in our life. Is this true or false? False. It's, uh, she said it's a commandment, but it's really a fruit, right? It's a pr- product of your living of life of faith. And then uh, this is the definition that we used in this, in this chapter. Joy is an outward expression of what? Uh, an inward hope, right? That, you, had to, you had to get that from the class, right? That wasn't in a book. Uh, it's, it's an outward expression of an inward hope. Uh, and so can we, can we choose to live in joy? That, see, that's the nice thing about all the promise of God. We can, anytime we want to, we can choose to live this way. Amen? We don't, we don't, well, that's just for them and not for me. That's for all of us if we choose to live that way. Amen? Uh, and so, praise God. <clears throat> um, uh, I was going to lay hands on folks. Just, um, uh, if you need uh, prayer for any sickness or disease in your life, um, I just sense we need to lay, lay hands on folks. Uh, and then, then we can go after that if that's okay. Um, but if you, if you need prayer in any way for any kind of sickness or disease, if you'll come up here, uh, not on stage, I'm going to come all the way down here, you know, to this, uh, 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 and uh, pray for folks. Amen? So if you need any kind of prayer for any healing, is the Lord our healer? He is our healer. Amen? And uh, is it okay for us to lay hands on, on each other? Yeah, have a seat there, my seat. Praise God. Well, Miss Angela, since you're coming up here, you can help us pray, and then we'll pray for you. Is that all right? We'll do a little sowing and reaping, too. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you that Sue is a child of the living God. Father, you said she's a daughter of Abraham. 
and as a daughter of Abraham, Father, she's due all the rights and privileges of heaven. And Father, one of the greatest privileges of heaven is to live a life free of sickness and disease. So, Father, we thank you. We join our faith with her faith. This body is healed and strong and whole in Jesus' name. Father, your life, your eternal life, your everlasting life lives on the inside of her. And that life, Father, will affect a healing and a cure in her body. Death has no capacity to live in the presence of life. So, Father, I thank you that life will rise up and dispel death, just like light rises up and dispels darkness. So, Father, we thank you that your spirit on the inside of her, Father, will affect a healing and a cure. It starts, Father, from the realm of the spirit. And Father, Sue walks in the realm of the spirit. She senses your spirit. And that spirit, Father, will cause her to believe you, to ask you of things. And that joy will rise up, Father, in life. And that joy will work just like a medicine, Father. That joy will produce strength in her, Father. And Father, it also produce the emotion of happiness, and it'll be real and deep, Father, from her spirit. So, Father, our faith is joined with her faith in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Father, for complete and total healing, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you. spirit that drives out all sickness and disease. Father, you, you showed us, Father, in your word that the laying out of hands will transfer your power from us to those who are believing, and it will affect a healing and a cure. You instructed us to do this, Father. And so by the direction of your word, Father, by your spirit, we lay hands on this body, thanking you, Father, that your spirit will drive out all sickness and disease. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. And Father, as a result, you receive glory, Father. Because we receive prayers answered. You will be glorified in the healing of this body. Thank you. All feeling returns to this hand. And whatever the root cause is, nerves or blood vessels or muscles, the cause is irrelevant. Thank you. In the name of Jesus.
in the name of Jesus. Is the Lord good? He's good all the time. Amen. Go back up on our perch here, right? So, all right. Is the Lord, uh, He's faithful to, to do what He says He would do. Amen. Uh, and so let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. And um, hopefully, uh, we'll see some more changes each and every week. And, and um, I'm hoping within this week and uh, there may be a few little things to finish after this week, but we'll have our regular chairs back in here and kind of back to normal. So uh, it'll be nice, though. Amen. And uh, I know there's a lot of reverb right now, but uh, we'll get some carpet up on the stage and that'll quiet things down. We'll get the chairs in here that'll quiet things down. It's actually not bad at all, but um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're kind of like an amphitheater, right? Because we're kind of shaped in that direction. Amen. So. All right, we'll come ahead, Mr. Jared, and we'll receive the offering. And um, um, looks like, was it three weeks, we'll have our first church meal back here since uh, we started renovation. And then two weeks from uh, this week, we'll have our prayer service on Friday night. And um, looking forward to things getting settled back down, amen. Uh, but um, it's coming along pretty good, amen. So once we quit arguing about what kind of baseboards we're going to have, you know, uh, we'll figure out what to do, right? <laughs> so. Uh, but um, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it turned out really good, right? Uh, and so, all right. Will you be blessed? And and uh, we'll see you next Sunday, right? <laughs>